1: Ah, uh, the familiar theme song of the Steam Room with Ooh. Charles Barkley and Ernie Johnson. I'm pumped for the show today, Ernie. Yeah, I'm pumped up every yeah. week. And it's great to have it on True TV on yes. Friday nights at hey. 7 o'clock Eastern Time. I actually
2: watched the Michael B. Jordan one. Yeah, so you, you sat at the. Uh, were you in I was Phoenix? In, I was in Phoenix. Okay. And I was sitting around the house. And I was going through looking for a movie. I'm like Steam Room in 15 minutes. Oh man! I said I got to watch that. Yeah. Now because we because we've only been on television a couple of weeks. Yeah. It's nice. Yeah, yeah I, it I like it. It was fun.
1: Um, and today's going to be huge. Yes, it is. We've yes. got two great guests on the yes. on the Steam Room. Um, We've got Robert Griffin III to talk about the Super Bowl, and we've got one of the funniest men alive, Nate Bargetsy, Yes, joining us here in the Steam Room. So a great episode, which always starts with Chuck's first of all. Oh, Ernie, I got a lot today. Oh, see, we were hoping no, maybe I... with two guests, might maybe you could streamline this no, a little bit. No, uh, no, no, you're no, not. no, I can't streamline it. It's well, a lot well of I going don't up. take offense. I was just well, saying. Well, I'm it gonna be...
2: start with sadness, unfortunately. Uh, I'm going to start, because people who I've met or enjoyed, I always want to acknowledge them and thank them for whatever they did in my life. Once a, a, a former teammate, uh, Earl Curriton, passed away. Uh, really good player, but a really great guy. Play in Houston with him? Uh, Philly. Philly, okay. Uh, uh, Earl was just a good dude. Uh, just fun to be around. And, man, I'm going to miss Earl. And uh, just want to let, you know, anytime we lose somebody in the NBA family, it's a big deal. To Earl Carleton, rest in peace, man, and it was a pleasure to know you. The second guy I never met, Carl Weathers. Right. Most people know him for, as Apollo Creed from the Rocky movies. Played in the NFL a couple of years for the Raiders. Been in uh, Happy Gilmore. Yeah. Uh, he's been in a lot of stuff. I never got to meet Apollo Creed, but man, that character in Rocky is one of the great characters in movie history. And you know it was it, it was uh, you never get tired of watching watching it, and uh, obviously it was a big deal in Philly because of Stallone. So we all had to follow uh, Rocky's career, and I've been up those stairs too many times. Walking, well, not walking, uh, yeah, not walking many. I shouldn't, slowly. Watch, shouldn't say many times, a few times. <laughs> but really, uh, Carl Weathers, rest in peace, uh, had a uh, a really great great career. That and, Happy
1: Gilmore role I, was hilarious, uh, I man. I the name. What's his name? I, he had but the, he, was the, he was the golf pro. He know, was was the know, who lost his arm? Had the, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, Chubbs.
2: What's his name? Chubbs. Chubbs. <laughs> what's his last name, fool? Okay, hey, <laughs> yeah, Chubbs. You, it was a you're great You're asking name. him, and, and, and he's He said, said he's screaming Chubbs. Wait, he's over here screaming Chubbs. You know? Well, because you, you, you gave us nothing. Yeah, I, I didn't know. Uh, I forget I know, his name. It's, it's a funny <laughs> name, though. So last... You know, I just was with Roger Clemens a couple about a month ago at Dr. Andrew's retirement. and I asked him about Toby Keith. Roger took me out with Toby Keith one night in Vegas, probably twenty some years ago, and it, I was a big fan. And he was such an awesome man. That's the reason for the Red Solo Cup, y'all. There you go. A uh, shout out to Toby Keith, man. I had just asked Roger how he was doing, and Roger said he was he didn't he wasn't sure. So. When he passed away the other day, man, I felt great sadness. But I want to just thank Toby and his family. Or Tim, they're in my thoughts and prayers. But, you know, when you meet a celebrity and you're really excited and they're really cool, it really brightens your heart. So, Should have been a cowboy. Yeah, yeah. No, he had a lot of, he <laughs> yeah. had a, a lot of great so, history. So, the man. one night I spent with Toby Keith in Vegas, man, uh, it's so funny. I had like three of my friends who were with me, like, yo, oh, man, that's really sad because we had such a fun night with Toby in Vegas. So... I'm using the red solo cup for you, Toby. Rest in peace, my brother. But I want to give a shout out to some women. First of all, this should be this should be your moment tonight.
1: See, if 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 you're if it's related to the Grammys, we can hold it and we can talk it's about it. It's not the it. Grammys. Okay. It's not
2: the Grammys. So first of all, I want to give a shout out to Juju Watkins uh, at USC, who had 51 points as a yeah. freshman. She is incredible. I've been mean, watching they beat Stanford, coached by the, women, the winningest coach in men's or women's basketball history for college, Tara, Tara Vanderveer. I don't want to make sure I say her name right. Uh, she is an awesome lady too. Uh, coach is. Coach Vanderveer is awesome. He just set the record for the most wins ever. Uh, shout out Gino Arrieta too. Just uh, I think he just won a big number too. You know, you know, Gino. I got a lot of love and respect for him, but I think he just got hit twelve hundred. I think uh, maybe it's somewhere in there. So shout to him. But I want to give a shout out to the women of Ole Miss in South Carolina, and I, I didn't forget about you, Caitlin Clark. I, I'm I'm trying like hell, Caitlin, to come and see you in person. I'm really trying. Between uh the all star game uh and all this other crap you you are in the middle of nowhere, Caitlin and fairness. It's hard to get there <laughs> I, but I want to see you play I want to see you play in person, but Caitlin Clark, you're amazing i, I really want to see you in person uh keep up the great work, but I want to give a shout out to the women of Ole Miss and the University of South Carolina, coached by uh, my friend of mine Don don Staley Don Staley there's something happened in the game the other night, man. You know, Ernie, we want this podcast to be positive. There's something happened in the game the other night that made my heart just like, oh, my God, there's so much goodness out here. So this young girl who plays for Ole Miss, they snatched her. Something happened. It was a very physical play. Nothing malicious. Just happened. And her hair came loose. Uh, her hair came out. All the women on both teams surrounded her where she could fix her hair. And it was one of the coolest things that I've ever seen of sportsmanship. You know, I've seen people carry people across the finish line in, in different events and things, but to see all these women on different teams band together, so this young girl would not be embarrassed it was so cool it made my heart just like wow
1: so so the a moment that could have gone viral in a negative the wrong way, way yes. goes viral in a positive right way. way yes
2: right. and i was like man i was so proud of those women for standing with each other and like they didn't have a no no this is not old miss this is not south carolina we're women and i just want to give those women a shout out and tell them man they made me proud and last thing You know, Jason Statham is one of my favorite actors.
0: I love
2: love Jason Statham. I just saw the worst movie I've ever seen in my life. It's called A Beekeeper.
1: I'm not familiar with it. Nobody is.
2: Did you go to a theater to watch this? I did not. And that should have been a warning to me, because it was in the theaters for like three weeks, and then it was on my TV to rent for
1: $4.99. And let me tell you something. <laughs> to rent or buy. So did you rent it or I, did you buy it? Because if you it for, rent it, you a—you got to watch it in a couple of days. I
2: did watch it, and I want my $4 back because it should have been $0.99. Cent.
1: It's the worst movie. You know I'm a movie buff. I know. So, so can, you, can you give me the, the plot in a nutshell?
2: I, let me tell you something. It, it was no plot. I was nuts for watching it. That's a nutshell. I'm a nutshell. <laughs> you know, I love Jason Statham. He's one of my favorite actors. But this was, I can't, give him, I can't give him no kudos on this one. This was brutal. I mean, this was, this was so bad, Ernie. I, I told you, I should have knew something was wrong. Because like I say, it's, they were doing promos on, 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 on television
1: when it was opening. And like three weeks later, it was on my television. I can't recall you trashing a movie. As thoroughly as since since you saw Avatar and and said you wanted those three hours of your life back, I can never
2: get them back. Avatar was
1: brutal. So if you had to watch one, Avatar or The Beekeeper, Avatar, Avatar. Oh, (laughs) that's how bad The Beekeeper was. (laughs) That's how bad it was. that's how bad it was.
2: It it was like I was like, and I'm sitting here like, okay, maybe they can make maybe. uh, Remember what Michael B. Jordan was talking about? There's the movie you make, Yeah, the edit. Right. And, and, you, forget and while the, he's
1: making it, it's like, oh yeah. man. Yeah. I
2: don't, the, the, the Beekeeper's that movie. It
1: was brutal. Wow. But uh, you know what? I'm, <laughs> I'm going to watch it this weekend. Oh, please I'm do. at least going to start watching it. No, you got, if, if you. No, don't wait. tell me if I started, I have to watch the whole you gotta thing. You got
2: to watch the whole thing. Come on,
1: Ernie. You can't, <laughs> because you got to see how, like, where are they going with this? Maybe while everybody else is watching the Super Bowl, I'll go into another room and watch the this? beekeeper. How about we do this? How about this? I
2: will fly to your house. We'll have an open invitation Super Bowl or the beekeeper. And. Yeah. Let, let's watch the beekeeper. <laughs> sounds,
1: brutal, bro. Sounds like a deal. <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> Oh, Lord. <laughs> hey, we're off to a flying start <laughs> here on the on, steam man. room. I love come it. On, man. And two great guests still yes. to come. This is, uh, is going to be a fun day here, Chuckster. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> or beekeeper.
0: <laughs> Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Whether it's routine maintenance and emergency repair or a dream project,
1: Ah, the familiar theme song of The Steam Room with Charles Barkley and Ernie Johnson. I am pumped for the show today, Ernie. Yeah, I'm pumped up every week, and it's great to have it on True TV on Friday nights at 7 o'clock Eastern time.
2: I actually watched the Michael B. Jordan one, and I was going through looking for a movie. I'm like, Steam Room in 15 minutes. Oh, man, I said, "I got to watch that. Yeah. Because we've only been on television a couple weeks. Yeah. It's nice. Yeah,
1: yeah it I, I like it. It was fun. Um, and today's going to be huge. Well, I need to tell you, Chuckster, we've been, uh, this guy's been on our wish list. Yes. As a guest on the Steam Room. I've never had more people excited when, we, when I told them who we were going to have on the show today. He is one funny guy and um, just can't wait to talk to Nate Bargatze, who is joining us uh from uh, Madison, Wisconsin. Got a show tonight, he's got, got a gig Got a gig tonight, and he's uh, giving us uh, some time here on the Steam Room. Nate, thanks a lot, man. We only have one rule here in the Steam Room. That's keep your towel on, right? I like that. Thank you. Uh, it's an honor. A big
3: fan of you guys, obviously, as everybody is. So thank you for having me. I'm in Madison,
2: Wisconsin, yeah. Hey, Nate, obviously saying you're on fire right now would be an understatement. I was, we were talking a little bit, when we were telling people you were going to be on the podcast, man, and Ernest says his wife, Cheryl and my friend's like, you got him on the podcast? They can't wait. <laughs> so so you in a, a great moment in your career right now. Is it, it, is it overwhelming or is it fun or a combination of things like that?
3: Yeah, it, I mean, it's kind of both. Uh, it's, it can be overwhelming. It's very busy. So I'm having to learn how to uh, say no to things, you know, you're when you first kind of get, you know, it's you get asked to do a bunch of cool stuff. Uh, and it's all stuff that you'd be like, oh, yeah, I'll do. But then once you're busy enough to get asked to do it, it's pretty it's kind of hard to do it. But I love it. I love doing stand up. I love doing these shows. I try to, you know, a thing that I try to go is like it's, you know, none of this is really about me. And so that kind of helps, you know take some of the pressure off, I think, when it's, yeah, I'm not trying to just think of myself and just try to, you know, I don't know, because I couldn't handle, this would be too much to handle.
1: You have been described as the uh, nicest man in stand-up. Anybody who's watched any of your specials on Netflix knows that uh, uh, you've never been told to clean up your act, that's for sure. It's a wholesome thing. You could sit there for an hour and listen to this and laugh out loud, and I, I shared with (laughs) chuckster and 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 cap our producer yesterday my favorite thing because it it hits home with me is is your whole bit about the the hot water heater and and the guys doing the the work at the house because that's me man it's like i see folks doing work around our house and i'm like please don't ask me any questions because i don't know where and so all of this comes from real life right oh yeah yeah there's just dudes at our house
3: we had, like, uh my daughter the other day was like, there's some guy in the driveway and I mean I was like, just go to get your mom. I don't know why <laughs> this man's in our driveway. There's no reason for this man to be, you know, I mean, he, he's got a tree or something, a bush, like, I you know, I don't know. And so, it, it would be pointless for me to go talk to him. And they're like, wave at me and you know, they want to talk to me because I think they're, they like I said in the joke, they're, they they want to talk to the husband. I just have no <laughs> idea. It doesn't, why would you be here? It's all stuff that you know, it happens in real life. I mean, one benefit, like I live in Nashville. I lived in New York and L.A. and all this. But I think it really does help to be in Nashville and you're just kind of like, I'm around. That's where I grew up. I'm around a lot of my friends that I grew up around. So, you know, I live in a cul-de-sac in the neighborhood. So you, 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 for how crazy this life is, we at least have
2: like somewhat of a normal life at home, you know. How many kids? You got a daughter, you said. I mean, just one? Just one, yeah, 11 years old. Oh, man, you haven't been through the dating stage yet. That's going to be fun. That's going to give you a lot of material. (laughs) I remember when my daughter first started bringing boys home, I was like, hey, I'm Chris Downer's dad. Nice to meet you. Have a good time. If you need anything, let me know. Then I'd walk away. And then, like three hours later, my dog would come screaming at me, telling me, "Dad, why can't you be nice?" I'm like, (laughs) "I thought I was nice." I said, "Hey, welcome to my house." I'm Chris Downer's dad. No, you. I said, "You don't think I'm gonna be hanging out with teenagers,
1: do you?" It should drive me crazy. Well, but let's change, Charles, because when I first, when you and I first started working together, you said your plan was when you were gonna somehow injure the first guy who came to the door and hope the word got out i said i was going to shoot the first guy <laughs> See, word, i was uh, trying to i was trying
0: to
2: I water did. it I down said, yes, a I little did. bit <laughs> you know ernie you got a, a, an amazing daughter maggie when they start bringing boys home it's Ooh, it's, it's, it's not fun
1: no it's uh no that yeah. tests your patience and uh, and your coolness as well. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> so so yeah, you have that to look at Yeah, it's gotta be to. like
3: who do you think yeah, like who do you think you are? I was thinking I love the with Will Smith and Martin Lawrence and uh the movie they did. Yeah, together. bad boys. Bad boys. Like that one, yeah, when they when their daughter comes, uh, a boy comes to date his daughter, like you know, I just need to do that, get like a friend come over and just really be threatening and a problem for this guy.
2: <laughs> you said you you busy but you try to control it. What do you do for yourself? Like, because when I was in the middle of my basketball thing, I was like, man, this is, I need a break where I can just be myself and get some free time. I mean, I golf.
3: Golf's a big part of it. Uh, Hey, you know, when y'all played, your schedule. So what time, I've always wondered this with NBA, uh, because y'all would play at 8 p.m. and 9 p.m. and stuff like that. My shows are like that. Uh, Would y'all still wake up early? and then
2: take a nap? Most teams, uh, depending on where, where you are, you practice at 10 or 11, and then you got the rest of the day off. But you always take a nap just out of habit, just to recharge your batteries. Because the one thing you wanna do is have an energy level, I call it. Cause you, want, you don't wanna feel like I'm, I'm tired mentally, I'm tired physically, let me just go through the motions. So we all took a nap. Uh, so that, the nap was really important. You know, even no matter who you are, when you take a nap, when you wake up, you're refreshed and ready to go. You never realize, like, man, I don't go on until late at night. I got a lot of hours, and I want to be fresh for the show. So you have to make that decision also probably, correct? That's the hardest part right now is finding the balance of that, like with food and with, you know, I love –
3: Processed food, basically. I'm Who a doesn't? big, I, mean, I haven't a joke now that I say where I'm a farm factory table guy. That's what I like. <laughs> uh And so it's trying to eat better or not. And I always thought with like you guys, like with the NBA, I was like, well, you have to be at your peak at, you know, you might be on stage or you might be doing play basketball at 11 p.m. Yeah. And, and be in the middle of it, in the most crucial part of the game. So, you are you know, you got to, yeah, it's bouncing it out to be like, when do you wake up? You know, because now it's all this, everybody gets up at 4 a.m. or 5 a.m. Like, I'm not, you know, that's not happening. I root for 10, (laughs) 9. I set my alarm for this at 11. I said, I
1: was (laughs) like, make sure I was up and going. I just wondered, take us back to to Chicago and Boston when you're starting out um, and you're trying to see what works uh what are those what are those days like and has the act always been what we see now i've always been clean and i've always just stuck with
3: that in the beginning days of new york it was you're handing out flyers trying to you would be a barker so you would stand out and hand out flyers to the uh to shows to get people in this is Chappelle's on the Chappelle show at this point he would always pop in so you get to sit and watch like Those David Tell, Chappelle, Louis Fiquet, like all these kind of big names come through uh, and Chris Rock and you could go down and watch them. And and then comics that were Bill Burr was, you know, probably like 11, 12 years in. He was star. So Bill Burr was a big one. Him and a comic named Patrice O'Neill, because I got to see them both really like kind of get into their rhythm. And you got to see them go to that next level. Uh, But yeah, you would stay down there and hand out flyers. You'd be out till 3, 4 in the morning. I had a job at FedEx uh, that started at like 5 in the morning, like packing trucks. So I would just stay up, go to that job, get home at like 10 a.m., sleep, and then
2: just kind of repeat. But you're just obsessed with it, so you love it. You know, we had Jimmy Kimmel on uh, last year, and he was talking about, he said, yeah, everybody think, they see it's a Jimmy Kimmel show now. He says, I played in, I was in all these crappy cities, for like 10, 12, 15 years. Like, obviously, things are great for you now. Did you ever get down when you're playing in some crap hole city? Yeah. You're you're San Antonio? Is that what you're trying to say?
3: Uh,
1: <laughs> he yeah, does yeah, watch yeah. the show. Yeah.
3: Well, Jackie, I'm going to San Antonio and I like all the women there. Uh, I'm joking. You know, I loved it. I was addicted to it. In New York at the beginning. I performed for one guy once. Like we were doing a show, and he stayed because they would just have us on stage as people were outside trying to get more people in. So we're trying to keep these people. Like so, like one guy or two people walk in and then we go on stage because we're new and we're we're doing our set just bombing I we mean, just talking those people don't want to be there you're doing shows for a lot of times when people are like i don't they're like can we leave and we're like no just stay for a second and then you're just trying to get more people in i would have shows where no one spoke english we in new york sometimes uh you do a show and it'd be like a group from uh, Europe or, and they'd be a a big, big group and uh, they, China and they'd come in and sit and you'd be telling jokes and you're like, dude, I'm getting nothing. <laughs> and then you finally like realize, oh yeah, they don't speak English. So you just got to do your show to the people that don't, I don't know why they're there, but they, you know, that's the stuff that helps because then when you're, you know, if something goes bad, you're like,
1: I, don't, I mean, I've you know, I've been in the worst situations. Who do you try your stuff out on first before you take it to a stage? I'll tell some comics,
3: but you basically you kind of do it on stage. So you just and you just kind of know in your head, now that I've done it for so long, I'll know, you know, like that farm factory table thing. I said like I might say that to a buddy, be like, Hey, I was gonna say this, or but some of it you just kind of mix in with your jokes. So I'll know the jokes, I know the story of the joke's gonna work. And then these are just kind of added lines to it. But a lot of it in like when I was in New York, you would try a lot of stuff on stage because you could go on stage every night. You could do. I mean, the most shows I did in one night in New York is like seven shows. Wow. And you're doing 10 minutes each. But so, I mean, you take a joke and do seven shows in a night. I mean, by the sixth show, you kind of. You kind of can figure out the rhythm and where people are laughing and uh, have a good beat on if that's a good joke or not.
2: You know, you, you're like me. I'm obsessed with golf, and you're obsessed with golf. And you played in the Phoenix Open. How would you play yesterday?
3: It was uh, it was very cold. I played all right. At 16, I did not get on the green. We were the first group to go through. I hit it fat. <laughs> was it embarrassingly fat? No, it was in front of the bunker, which is not. I mean, it's a hundred forty-yard shot. I hit a nine iron, probably one ten. <laughs> uh, but you know, it's that. But it was if the Phoenix Open. I mean, it's wild. It's. I mean, there you're just when you when you get out there, you're just with everybody. Yeah. And uh, you know, and yesterday was it was hailing, it was freezing, it rained on us. They ended up canceling after like nine holes. Uh, but it was it was a cool experience.
2: But yeah, I love it. Yeah, you know, so I live in Phoenix, and it's been really crappy weather all week. And uh, I think it's going to be rainy again today, and it's supposed to clear up on the weekend. So golf is the most fun thing. As much as I love basketball, golf is the most fun thing I've ever done in my life. I got tired of playing basketball at certain times. I never get tired of playing golf. Number one, do you ever get tired of playing? But what does golf do? for you? Because I, I just love being out there. Yeah. That, I mean, I love being out there too. It's, I like it because it's,
3: you know, I feel like it's hard to turn my brain off and uh, I mean, as most people. And so with golf, you have to focus on golf so much that it's like, all right, well, I'm, I can't just turn my brain off and relax. But at least when I golf, I have to focus on that so much. So all the other stuff kind of goes away. It's getting harder to play now, kind of on the road. The worst thing ever is to learn what a good shot feels like. Cause then you just, because then you're just trying to find it, that good shot again. I mean, it's, it can, again, be very obsessive, very, you know, you're just like, you think you got it. I'll be playing. I'll watch videos during a round. Uh, I'll putt three different ways during a round. I'll just change up putting completely and just, I'll be like left-hand low. Then I'm like, you know what, let's try to claw for a little bit. And this is all one round. And I'm always like, why won't it ever get consistent? And you're like, because I don't try. I don't ever, I don't ever keep one way. Yeah. I just, like uh, you know, as I drive to the green, I watch a YouTube video on uh, another guy, how to get 30 more yards out of a drive. I try that, top it, you know, fun
1: stuff. It's all fun. We've all been through the same thing too, when you, when you love the game like that. And then sometimes when you go down that rabbit hole, it's like, why did I do that? Why did I start trying to figure out how to, how to try to draw off the tee or that kind of thing? And then you find yourself saying, man, I hate this game. I can't wait to play again and And that's kind of the way it is uh, with me, for sure. I mean, is going out there and playing. Hey, what makes a comedian laugh? What makes you laugh? I see Kramer over your shoulder here uh, from Seinfeld, yeah. but so so what makes you laugh?
3: Seinfeld does. Uh, y'all not to be, but your show does, it, it's when I know, because y'all have love doing your show, so that's a big thing. like I talk about my family a lot. And, uh, I learned when I do jokes about my wife, like you have to show love. You have to show that, like, I, I believe these people are really friends. And so when you can see that stuff and people just giving each other a hard time, that stuff's very funny because it feels very real. Uh, but with stand-up, it's, I mean, with being a comedian, it's usually things that are unexpected. I i got to get caught off guard and then that can, that will make me someone falling, you know, will do like. You know, some of them are not nice things. If someone trips, I mean, I'm a big fan of big trip, and uh, it takes them, you know, and it takes them a minute to fall. Like if they do a few steps, you know, I don't mind that. Like, uh, so I'll laugh at that stuff. But it's, you know, it's things that you have to be un- unexpected by. But there's a lot of things that I can see are very funny, and I won't laugh. You know, you can see something that you're like, look, I understand that is the funniest thing I've ever heard. And then I show no emotion
1: with it. But
3: I can tell that that is a very funny thing.
1: People always coming up to you, trying to be funny to you. Oh, Yo, yeah, yeah,
3: yeah, yeah. I can. You can tell it like it, it kind of sneakily. Because sometimes I'll, you're, I don't know if I'm like, do they know I'm a comedian? And then you can <laughs> tell they just rattle like three jokes off, and you're like, oh, they're just trying to be funny. That's the brutal part is hearing sometimes stories. People come because I tell stories, and people come tell me a story, and you're like. Yo, dude, you got to, I mean, you just want to go like, let me tell you how to tell this story. This story was brutal. The main thing they start with, and then it's just just a long nothing afterwards. So whatever, the the whole point of the story was at the first eight seconds, and then it's just them just being like, and then I got in the car and I drove home, and you're
2: like, where are we going? I had a great friend like that. His name was John Calabrese. He always said, can you please land the damn plane when somebody just goes <laughs> off the rails and start rambling, he says, yo man, land the damn plane. And I hate when people walk up to me and want to tell me
1: a story and I'm, just, and you have to be nice. What does it feel like Nate? When it, uh, when something you've been working on hits with an audience? Oh, it's the greatest.
3: It's the best. I mean, that's the thing with standup and that's why I love it so much. I, I will. Uh, I have a couple little new things I'm going to try to say tonight, and I'm going to find out tonight if they work. And then I'll find out the rest of this week. we go to Omaha, and Kansas City. So I'll find out all week if these jokes work. So that's the best part is the immediate reaction that you get. You're done with it. Like I say it, and then I get to see what happens. And, you know, versus if you shoot something, versus you just don't know when if something's going to be good or how long it can take. So that's the thrill of it and the exciting. And when you have a new joke, I mean, it's in your head, you're like, I just cannot wait
2: to get to this new joke. Most parents, you know, they say, hey, we want you to go to college and get a job. How do you tell your parents you want to be a comedian? My dad is a magician. And
3: so that helped because... There, it wasn't that crazy of a thing. Uh, my dad actually saw you play. At, uh, we're big Vanderbilt fans. Okay. Smart and saw kids. you play at Auburn. Uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah <laughs> and We're going. I mean, being a yeah, sports fan, there's times I'm like, I wish they would just quit sports and I could move on with my life. So my dad, growing up being a magician, it wasn't crazy. I mean, I, I, I college was not going to be for me. I talk about it in my state, Like I went to community college and took all remedial classes and I had it, like my loan was like $40. Like just, I, I spent no money. There was just, uh, there was, I was in there with like old people. Uh, I drove to it. I mean, it was, you know, it was pretty obvious. I didn't get into any colleges. My ACT was uh, like, I think I got a 17, which is, which is borderline, you know, they're like, you should, I don't, like, something's wrong. You know, like, they're like, what is up with that, dude? Like, you know, they want to talk, they just want to fill you out when you get, when you turn it in, it's like a 17, they're just like, I shouldn't hear this guy's voice and see if he's, like, cool or not. <laughs> um, so... School was not going to be my thing. So my parents were, they were happy that I was obsessed with it. My dad being a magician knew a lot of magicians in New York. And so I didn't find out till later, but my dad would have his magician friends like kind of go to shows or come see me without me knowing to make sure I was, you know, committing to this and obsessing over it and doing it uh, and not just up there wasting time and all that. Uh, So they've been super, my dad comes on the road with me a lot uh, now, which is super fun. You know, it's every little boy's dream. Travel to your yeah. dad when you're 44 years old. So, uh, you know, get a CPAP machine and a tour bus. And that's the dream. <laughs> you know, we're living it up. But its, it's they were super on board and uh, very, very supportive. I was very fortunate in that case.
1: Now, you and your dad have performed
3: together, correct? Yeah, yeah. He'll come out. He He comes to Vegas every year. So every show I do in Vegas, he comes to, and he's been to, he's done 100 and something shows with me. But now he's going to do, he pops into some of these when we go to. He's not with me this weekend, but
2: uh, we do Vegas three times a year at the Wynn, and he comes to that. So let me get this straight. Your dad comes to Vegas, but he don't want to go to Madison or Omaha. So he usually comes where he's got
3: magician friends, but yes, it's uh, he's not always going to come to every, you know, he Was not in Poughkeepsie, no. uh, <laughs> neither was my family, and so yeah, they're not jumping on, they're not going to Wichita. One of the best shows I've ever had is Wichita, and I was alone. No one showed up to that show with me in my family. They support very specific shows. They're gonna, I'm doing the Boston Garden, they're coming to that. I tell yeah. you, they're gonna be
1: at that show, you know, but
3: so yeah, some of the other ones are
1: not. So is Would I be out of line, Nate, to say – because you've said, hey, there are a couple things I'm going to try out tonight in Madison. Uh, You will have already tried these out in Madison by the time this podcast drops. So can you give us something you're going to try in Madison tonight?
3: Uh, So I talk about the farm factory table thing I do say on stage. And I talk – like I I really have a problem with like uh, processed food. Like I I love it. I have a real McDonald's – like I mean I just can't not go – I'm a big fan of them. I use a lot of ketchup. I'm a big ketchup guy. We're a big ketchup family, and I use a ton of it, uh, where people get uncomfortable with how much <laughs> I'm using. And so, like, now I'm just trying to – like, I'm trying to go – because I'm trying to switch my mindset because I know touring like this, I can't – if I don't uh, physically feel better, it, it it makes this a lot worse. You know, but it's a lot of – like, you see stuff on Instagram and stuff, and you see all these – you know, these guys are just – It's all ice baths now. It's like these dudes that there's there's no one that's a regular person. That's just like, yeah, just, I don't know, do a little exercise and eat this. It's all these men that are like, you know, I don't know, go find another man and beat that man up and take that man's power <laughs> and then go take an ice bath at his house, you know, go still just go, go raise another man's family every morning, every morning, break into a man's house, raise his family, take an ice bath. And you're like, ah, oh, that's a lot of stuff to do, you know. I'm just trying to not, I don't want you to see my nipples through my shirt. So, uh, <laughs> what is it? So, you know, it's a little that we're seeing it good here. If it does bad tonight, I will call both of you and be like, y'all really sent me down this bad road. I thought it was going to murder tonight. Oh, it bombs.
1: oh, Nate, it's, uh, it's great having you with us, man. We so appreciate you taking the time. Uh, love your specials. Love the fact that, uh, your career has gone where it's taken you from—from uh, from those early starts and handing out uh, flyers to hosting Saturday Night Live. We don't call it hosting Saturday Night Live, Ernie. We call it the longest
2: week of your life. Is this—is this correct? Is this correct, Nate?
3: Oh yeah, I flew in Monday and our Sunday night, and then Monday, and you just are you just rolling. The crazy that when you tape, they tell you it's going to go fast on the live show, and that's the crazy. It goes by so fast. That's sad. The night you're taping because it's just yeah, bumping. You're just running around everywhere. Uh, but, yeah, that was uh, – it is, it
2: is a long week, and it was – I mean, the most fun I've ever had yeah. was doing that show. And, Ernie, let me tell you something, and I talked to J.J. Watt about this. There's nothing more uncomfortable when you got four women snatching your clothes off, and you got like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. A, a, you got, like, a minute and 45 seconds. Because, you know, they Velcro all your clothing, so you run behind a wall. There's four ladies there. Two of them grab an arm. Two of them grab a leg. They snatch all your shit off. And you're standing there with just your drawers on. And somebody's counting. He got a minute and 45 seconds. And they're Velcroing the next outfit on. It is one of the most uncomfortable things in the history of civilization. Can you can you relate, Nate? Oh, yeah, yeah. That uh, Pete Davidson
3: texted me. And he was like, just go with it. Like, that was all. I was- <laughs> He's like, just, just go with it. And I was like, all right. I didn't even really know what he was talking about yet. And he just was like, whatever it is, just go with it. You got to just go with it. Uh So, yeah,
2: you're just getting grabbed up
3: and all that stuff.
2: Oh, my goodness. Nate, number one, thank you. Hey, I'm coming to see you on the road. When I walk up to you and say hello, please don't ignore me. Don't big time me, okay? All right, I'll see how I feel that day. We got to (laughs) –
3: if it was a good show, I'm like, I don't know. Uh, no, I would love to see it. I'm c- I'm coming to Phoenix too. Uh, April 13th, 14th. I'm taping my next special there at the uh, Footprint Center.
2: Okay, oh. uh, hopefully I, that'll We're be. Good. That's right around the time the playoffs start. But I, I would love to see that in person, brother. I, but I'm coming to oh, find yeah, you. Yeah. Uh, I'm coming to find you on the road and continue success.
1: Yep. Hit them straight, and make them laugh. Yeah, whatever you guys want do.
2: Thank you, brother. Awesome.
1: Thank you, guys, very much for having me. Appreciate. We have it. a great show tonight, Nate Bargatze, yes. joining us Thank in you. the steam room. This was uh, yeah, what man, an awesome. I had so time.
2: many people so excited when I told them
1: about that. Oh, he's tremendous.
2: You know what's so funny? I've been trying to figure out a time I could go see him on the road because I, you know, I want to see him uh, stand Wide. up live. Uh, as Kenny
1: say, live.
2: <laughs> Kenny says, I want. We're coming to you live from New York City, like Kenny. That says
1: live. <laughs> Back here inside the steam room, oh, we move yeah. from a from uh, a comedian um, who is uh, awesome. at the top of his game, yes, to a Heisman Trophy winner and ESPN analyst at the top of his this game. Robert Griffin the rg RG3, joining us from the site of the Super Bowl, Las Vegas, Nevada. Uh, RG3, thanks, man. We appreciate you taking some time with us. Uh, only one rule in the Thank steam you. room: keep your towel on. <laughs> okay.
4: <laughs> Good. He's I on got board. You.
1: You're on board with that.
2: On. Hey, uh, welcome. It's an honor to have you on. What are you doing all week?
4: Yeah, I mean, this week, as you know, uh, Chuck, with the Super Bowl, it's just, it's a lot of appearances, business connections, doing stuff for ESPN, you know, all the typical stuff, talking about the game. But honestly, it's just about having fun and seeing people you haven't seen for a really long time. So I'm getting up, you know, right now, 6 a.m., you know, working out, hitting up some of these interviews, going to media, uh, media row there for the Super Bowl, doing these types of podcasts, and uh, really just having a good time. Last night, you know, Shannon Sharp threw a party, and so did uh, Marshawn Lynch. So uh, I'm still I'm still recovering a little bit from that. <laughs> <laughs> well,
1: you, you look none the worse for wear this morning. So in, this, in the time between the conference championships and the Super Bowl, does your opinion on the game change at all, or do you... Are, Or are you basically saying the same kind of thing? Does the narrative change much in those two weeks for you,
4: RG3? Yeah, I try to use those conference championships games as an opportunity. You know, that week, you know, we got the Pro Bowl and and we do the Pro Bowl games uh, at ESPN, the NFL, and they've done a great job trying to, you know, rework the All-Star game uh, to make it more fun. I use that week to prepare for the Super Bowl. And then Super Bowl week, I just go back and rewatch all the tape from the season, not necessarily just the conference championship game. So my opinion has changed since last week about how I think the game will go. Uh, but that's the beauty of, of having that extra time. Now as a coach, it can be to your detriment because you start to overcoach some things when you're in that situation, knowing that this is the biggest game of your life.
2: You know, uh, I'm old for 2 Ben against the Chiefs. Uh, I, I had Buffalo... And I had the Ravens. I'm not saying you're totally surprised, but are you surprised that they were able to go in? Because, you know, my football friends tell me Buffalo, Kansas City, and Baltimore are three of the toughest places to play.
4: Are you surprised that the Chiefs were able to win both of those games on the road? I wouldn't say I was surprised, but if you look at their season, right, they lost the season opener to the Detroit Lions. Like, in that moment, everyone's like, oh, man, the Chiefs are a little vulnerable. This year, they lost more games than they have ever lost in a single season with Patrick Mahomes being the starting quarterback. They also had their lowest points per game in the Patrick Mahomes era. He threw a career-high 14 interception. So going into the playoffs, Chuck, you weren't the only person saying, oh yeah, the Chiefs don't have it this year. But it's also the first time Mahomes has actually had to play on the road in the postseason because they weren't the number one seed. So he goes on the road to Buffalo. He goes on the road uh, to Baltimore. And I think that just for me, continues to solidify his greatness. And I think sometimes we take that for granted. But this Chiefs team is built differently. You know, they're a defensive-led football team that's going to run the ball and play high percentage in the passing game, trying to run it through Travis Kelsey and Rasheed Rice. So the Chiefs have morphed away from the high-flying, score 40 points type of team to where they can win a game 17-10. to I think that makes them more dangerous.
1: So you got a Kansas City team, which, to your point, Charles has gone on the road and and won those two games against the San Francisco team that's looked vulnerable yes. in those two games. I mean, they were. Don't you think so? Yes. Yeah. But I
2: have lear- <laughs>
1: I have not learned my lesson. I'm
2: taking the San Francisco forty dollars.
0: <laughs> the third
2: time. The third time's going to be
1: a charm for me.
4: All Kansas City fans are very happy that you are betting against well, them once a, again there's a
1: parade right
4: now in Kansas City <laughs> <laughs> and, and and uh you know Earl, when you when you ask me you know who am I taking I'm picking the Chiefs and it's not just because Patrick Mahomes is their quarterback I think the game's going to come down to two things it's going to come down to defense the Chiefs have the better defense and it's going to come down to quarterback play and I believe the Chiefs have the better quarterback. Now, I'm not a guy that that hates on Brock Purdy. I support Brock Purdy. I actually think he is a game changer. He's a creator. He's uh, a guy that is a difference maker and people who are, are trashing him, in my opinion, or trying to say that they're they're telling the truth about his abilities. In my opinion, they're just they're just uh, punishing him for having a great supporting cast. And I don't think that's fair. But Chuck, I, I believe, you know, when you have that many Avengers on your team, you're talking about Debo, Kittle, Juszczyk, uh Brandon Ayuk, obviously Brock Purdy, Fred Warner, Dre Greenlaw, Chase Young, Nick Bosa. When you have that many dynamic players, it's very easy to pick that team. And I just think it's going to be a close game because the Niners are so talented. But I do believe the Chiefs come out on top.
2: Well, the, the 49ers defense, they started the season off pretty good. Really good, actually. Yes. But the last six weeks or so, they've been brutal. And the coaches call the defensive coordinator is saying lack of effort. I'm like, if yeah. you you have to worry about effort and you're in the Super Bowl, what happened to the defense?
4: Yeah, you are talking about the, uh, the to the 49ers? Um, we have this uh, this vision of the 49ers defense that they're just this dynamic, unbelievably stout physical group, and it's not false. It's just they got 184 yards ran on them, you know, last week uh, or I believe in. And they're not so stout at the point of attack. When you talk about effort, Chuck, you know this more than anyone. Talented guys, sometimes they can lean on that talent a little too much. Like right now, for Nick Bosa, super talented guy. But when teams run away from him, in the playoffs, they ran 30 times for 180-some-odd yards. Running away from Nick Bosa. What does that mean? He's having to chase down these plays from the backside it's hurting the pass rush because he's ex- exerting all this effort in the running game. And when you get a bunch of super talented guys like the Niners have, sometimes they can become complacent. So I'm not saying that they are, but I think it's been made aware. And now you're in the Super Bowl. If you can't go balls to the wall for 60 plus minutes, if you have to, then you don't deserve to be there. I think they'll go balls to the wall. Hey,
1: Chuckster, you hear the, uh, you hear the numbers that, uh, Robert's throwing out there. You know, he talked about using <laughs> that time doing homework. Got that? How many times he run away from a guy for this many yards? Yeah, I, I love that. I hey, love
2: that action. You know, hey, he, what? He, he sounds like Steve Young. Huh. So, so Steve Young. Every time I see him, I give him crap. So, about it's probably X amount of years ago when the, when the Giants played the Patriots in the Super Bowl. All week, i said on the show, I'm betting on the Giants. I'm betting on the Giants. I get to Las Vegas, and Steve Young is on TV saying, I just got to give it up to the Patriots. They're going to be the first undefeated team in, in sec, the second undefeated <laughs> team. And I says, I think I think the Giants are going to win the game. And I'm like, I'm sticking with, okay, I'm going to listen to Steve Young. The 49ers, the, 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 the Patriots are going to go undefeated. <laughs> And the Giants win the damn game. And Steve Young, every time I see him, I see you cost me all that damn money telling me they was going to go undefeated. Robert, I'm not, I'm not going to listen to you. I'm betting. On, I'm not changing my mind. I, I'm going with the San Francisco 49ers. He's going with the Chiefs. I, no, Robert, I'm not going to listen to you. No. Uh,
1: hey, what's the vibe like in Vegas
4: for, for an event this big? Oh, I mean, it's it's spectacular. And and you look, you see Chuck right there trying to trying to do some, like, reverse juju. I tune he it out, man. Chief, he picked against the Chiefs. He's like, oh, well, when I pick against them, they win. And then he goes back and he's trying to use this story about Steve Young to try to justify his pick. <laughs> yeah, okay, I, I know. Both these teams are great. It, it, it's okay. Whoever's going to win is going to win. But when you talk about the vibes here, I mean, it's kind of interesting how, you know, the NFL for such a long time just – tried to distance itself from gambling and now we're in the gambling mecca and you know i think a lot of guys are having a ton of fun Uh, i think the nfl is putting on a a great event Uh, and there's going to be over 100 million people watching this thing so the buildup is phenomenal seeing all the guys coming in former teammates of mine the stars of today in the nfl it's just really cool to be around everybody you know share that common you know grind of going through whether it's the media grind or the playing grind It's been phenomenal to see the fans, too. They're soaking it up, man. Football is king in America. There's no doubt about it. And and the Super Bowl weekend in Las Vegas is only stamping that further. So
2: I know as an analyst, once basketball is over, I do absolutely nothing for like four months. (laughs) So after Sunday,
4: what's your schedule like? Oh, I mean, NFL never stops. Uh, and I know you know this, Chuck, like with the with the NBA and the draft and all that, but we're going straight from the Super Bowl. Now we go into free agency. We've got the draft coming up. So for me, my schedule doesn't free up too much. But, you know, I've got my, my own show, RG3 and the Ones, which I want both of you guys to come on for sure. And, you know, we'll really focus on on hitting that up and, and then doing, you know, whatever I have to do spot-wise for ESPN. But for me, guys, I'm, I'll turn 34 in a couple of days. Monday. You know, I still train as if I'm ready to play. So uh, I know I've got about probably five or six years where I could legitimately still play the game of football uh, at a high level. So I just try to make sure I take care of that that side of it. It's also good for my health, though. You guys know this, like being active, staying active uh, is good for your family, good for yourself. Take care of your body now, essentially, so you don't have to be a burden to people with your body later. So I take that seriously and it, it puts me in a good spot. So you want to play again? Yeah, I, Jack, I, don't, I don't shy away from it. Everyone asks me, hey, do you want to play? Yes, I still want to play. Now, I'm, I'm a, I feel like I'm still a young guy at 33, about to be 34. Um, if I never play again, will I be upset? No, I will not. I enjoy what I'm doing. I enjoy building the players up and being a, being a storyteller. been inspired by both of you guys and what you've done in the industry uh, and done for such a long time. So I'm not just saying that because I'm on this show you've got a lot of respect for, for what you guys have done and, and the way that you approach it. And Chuck, you don't care what anybody thinks about you. You know, you're going to say how you feel and you're going to talk about the game the way you want to talk about it, and I feel the same way.
1: That's what you, you got to do. Keep Don't change your thing, Robert. So I'm not saying you're a backup. As we see this
2: year, you've seen so many starting quarterbacks go down. And you see, if you don't have a good backup, your season just goes in the toilet in the tank. Why don't you go to some of these teams and say give me a tryout? I mean, because <laughs> you, you know, no there's no doubt in my mind you could be better than some of these quarterbacks. I mean, because I'm not gonna call guys out because all these guys, if you I always tell me if you make it to the pros, you're a good player. You might not be a good Correct. pro, but you're a good player. But right. quarterback play is really down. You know, you're yes. like, and you hear, and like you hear guys, and I, and I, it, this bothers me. I'm not gonna lie. They're like, well, if you don't have a quarterback, you're not any good. And I'm saying to myself, okay, y'all can't build a game plan around like, okay, I don't have Patrick, I don't have Josh, I don't have Dak, but I got this quarterback. Let's just fix a game plan on some of the things. Am I way off?
4: No, you're not way off. And I think it's, listen, quarterbacks drive the NFL. You know, the stars of the game typically are the quarterback. And we've seen it change slightly now with with Jason Kelsey and Travis Kelsey and what they've been able to do and become, you know, real box office guys for the NFL. But that's kind of what I believe drives the narrative around you have to have the quarterback. When you look at Patrick Mahomes and what he's done, four Super Bowls in six years, has a chance to win his third Super Bowl in, in in five years, right? Like it's, it's quite amazing. If you compare anyone else to Patrick Mahomes, then it's not a comparison at all. But when you look at the other guys that have made it to the Super Bowl and won Super Bowls, uh, Brock Purdy being one of them, they built a great team around Brock Purdy. Uh, you can build a team without having the elite talent of a Patrick Mahomes and go and win. I think there's a little bit of a fascination from the media to say, you can't get it done in today's game, unless you have Patrick Mahomes, or Lamar Jackson, or Josh Allen, I think it just adds to that flair. You know what I mean? It adds to that that storytelling. So you're not wrong. You can build a team and have a dominant defense and have a quarterback. I wouldn't say that's serviceable, but it's a good quarterback, and you can win the Super Bowl. Don't let anybody tell you that you're wrong about that opinion.
1: As we wrap things up here, Robert, uh, so you mentioned going to uh, Shannon Sharp's party. Uh and did Marshawn Lynch have a separate party? So two parties or were they, were they teaming up on this party? It was two parties last night?
4: It was two, it was two parties, okay. but they were right next to each other. So you couldn't avoid one or the other. All
1: right. So if you're looking for something to do on Friday night in Vegas, uh, the Chuckster uh, is going to be out there. Uh, Chuck, would you okay. like to fill everyone in on, on what you're going to be doing in Las Vegas Friday night?
2: So I'm partnering with Dana White. Dana's one of my really good friends. And... We're doing an event, I wanna say at the Durango Casino. We're gonna go see a bunch of white people slap the hell out of each this other. This is part of
1: what? You're uh, you're th- leaving out your, oh,
2: so, your uh, uh, sponsorship. Uh, my sponsorship for my red mutton vodka, first of all, if I see any black people slapping each other, I'm gonna say, man, you gotta get a damn education, a better job, because people <laughs> are slapping the hell out of each other. I can't I've seen it on television. Yeah. I really cannot wait until I see it in person. Because you know how anything is. Television really don't do it justice. So I'm really excited to see this slap box thing
1: in person. These vodka and slapping. What could go wrong? <laughs> you know what, Chuck?
4: I think I heard you recently say that you would have slapped the hell out of somebody if they'd said something about you. I'd love to see you and Aaron Rodgers in a, in a slap box. I think yeah, that yeah. would be pretty funny.
2: Come on, man. Robert, <laughs> now I don't want you to take this the wrong way. A quarterback can't beat me, okay. A quarterback can't beat me. (laughs) Hey, listen, I'm an old
1: fat has been, but I don't think a quarterback can beat me. I'm just saying. Robert Griffin III, RG3, Heisman Trophy winner. Thanks for being with us. Hey, uh, I would just text me, man. I'll do your show anytime.
4: Appreciate that, man. I got you. I'm going to lock you in. We got you in there. All Enjoy right. your
1: time in Vegas. Thanks for the insights, man. We appreciate you. All right, guys. Appreciate y'all.
2: Thank you, Robert. <laughs> <laughs> Two parties. That's a man out to my own heart.
3: Chuck and Ernie in the steam
2: room. Come and join us in the steam room. Chuck and Ernie in the steam room. Leave your towel on in the steam room. Chuck and Ernie in the steam room. Chuck and Ernie in the steam room. Leave your towel yeah. on the, in the steam The number
1: room. for Chuck's answering machine if you are so inclined as to leave a message, 404-987-0330. That a baby.
2: Call one. Hello, world. This is Charles Barkley. Leave me a message.
3: Hey, Chuck and Ernie. My name is Scott, a loyal steamer (laughs) from the mean streets of Indianapolis. When I heard the All-Star Game was coming to Indianapolis, my first thought was, oh, no. What will Charles and Shaq say about this great city?
2: So my question is for Chuck. Can you say anything nice about the city of Indianapolis? Yeah, man, I like
1: Indianapolis. Yeah.
2: I ain't never wait, I what see I talk bad about?
1: well i I, I think Nate Bargatze earlier referenced it. I just San said they got Antonio. some big women in well, San Antonio. No, it's a good, okay, no. And oh, that dirty it's, little creek, it's not a river, it's a dirty little, it, all that stuff. It is a dirty little well, creek. Well, it's not they, its not a river. That's the reason that folks think you don't like San Antonio. A, I happen to love San Antonio.
2: I like San Antonio, but that is a dirty little creek. And it's and not a river.
1: Some, I love having some guacamole made right there at the table. You know
2: how I hate guacamole. Uh, just a bowl of mush,
1: man. No, Stop it's it. awesome. It's awesome. And
2: San Antonio is a great city. Yeah, okay. you so how about so Indianapolis? A great city. Uh, uh, it's better for the Final Four.
1: Great walking city for the Final, Final Four. Final Four,
2: yes. It's going to be cold this time, but it's great for the Final Four. I love Indianapolis. St. Elmo's, can't wait to get there. me uh, some,
1: uh, yeah. you know, that shrimp uh, with, uh, you know with what's that cr- hot
2: sauce. And let me tell you something. I can't Ooh, wait to get there man. because last time we were there, you remember for the Final Four, it was COVID, and we couldn't leave the hotel. Oh, that's... We, the only time we got to leave the hotel was to go to the game. Oh, you had... To, see, I wasn't there for Final Four that year. Oh, okay. So they had this, like... So you couldn't leave the hotel. So St. Elmo's, how cool are they? They bought us dinner one night. Oh, that's nice. we The only time we got to leave the hotel, because they didn't want, obviously, uh, us exposing people, which was stupid anyway. Uh, you, could, you, could, you could... We only got to leave the hotel twice that weekend. But one night, St. Elmo's, they, somebody called, and they made us a nice meal to send it to the room. That's tremendous. Yeah, so I cannot wait there. Hey, anytime I get to go to Reggie Miller's hometown, uh, I like look forward to it. Call two.
5: Hello, Ernie and Charles. This is Kenny from Charlotte. Uh, I enjoyed uh, last week's episode with Rex Chapman. It just reminded me of an airplane story. Many years ago, the New York Knicks happened to be on a commercial flight that I was on flying uh, from New York to Charlotte. They had a game against the Hornets the next day. I got on the airplane. Patrick Ewing was already seated in first class. uh, Just as I was walking by, I said, Patrick, take it easy on our kid, Kendall Gill. Kendall Gill was a Hornets draft choice that year. Take it easy on our kid, Kendall Gill. He's he's just a kid, you know. And uh, Patrick smiled that big smile and, and said, this is a man's game, which I thought was just perfect. The point is I wanted to ask Charles if he regularly flew commercial in his early NBA years or throughout his NBA career or if it was mostly private or what the mix was and how it changed.
2: Good question. Well, number one, Patrick Ewing, uh, he would give you a big smile. Patrick Ewing is one of the best people I've ever met in my 40 years in the NBA. I love that guy like a brother. Hey, man, we old, brother. We, we Like these young kids today don't know how lucky they are. My I think my first three, at least three years, maybe four years, we flew commercial. And man, there were times uh I would, we would fly somewhere and I'd have Al Domenico, i said, Al, my shoulder's killing me. He said, Rook, what's wrong with your shoulder? Say, I had this old ass lady leaning on my shoulder the whole flight. <laughs> and I didn't want to be rude and wake this old lady up. And but and I, said, dude, I'm not going to be rude to an old lady, but in my first couple of years, we not only did we fly commercial, commercial, some of the guys had to ride in the
1: back And coach And coach, and heaven and forbid, heaven heaven forbid. <laughs> but see, there are some some big guys yes. riding coach. That's yeah. uh, see, I'm
2: a firm believer. You have to be over six feet tall. It, when I'm king of the world, yep. nobody under six feet tall gonna be in first class. Because you're not doing it to be snotty. You know, being 6'2", yeah. I'm with you on yeah, that. Because yeah. No. <laughs> I, I tell people, you don't fly first class just because you got money or you think you're betting everybody else. You do it for comfort. So all you little-ass people, move to the back. Give your seat up for a tall person. Because <laughs> let me tell you something. It's very uncomfortable back there. I very seldom have to ride... They're unbelievable. Man. I'm saying sometimes I have to ride in the back because first class is sold out. Yeah, but I only do it on short flights. I can't imagine what it's like on a long flight because man, my yeah. knees, my back, my shoulder, everything be hurt. It hurts worse <laughs> in coach. But if your give your first class seat up to a tall person, and no, you know you know what really annoys me, Ernie, what? when people have their kids in first class. There's no reason for kids to be in first class. Put your damn brat in the back.
1: No, taking up a big person's seat. No, don't let your kids ride Maybe you wanna cl- you have your children near you if you're, if you're there. You don't wanna just put them in the back of the plane. There's no reason for kids to ride in first class, Arnie. Stop it. Give up your seat to a tall person and yes. put your brat in the back. Put your brat in the back. Airline travel advice you can only hear on the steam room I'm from I'm just Charles telling you, Markman. man, there's no reason for short people to be sitting in first class. <laughs> All right, Randy Newman. <laughs> so, um, hey, it's it's time to wrap things up with Good for the Soul. Yes, sir. EJ's Good for the Soul. I think that would be a great way to end the show. Love that
5: idea. Good idea, Ernie. A toast <laughs> to my big brother, George, the richest man in town. <laughs>
1: You're a music lover. Yes. I'm a music lover. Uh, all kinds of music. And, and it, it has that power to just hit you in such a way, whether it's a certain song, a certain artist, that kind of thing that just, that, I don't know, it, it's hard to explain, but it resonates with you and it can make you feel good. And and some some songs are recognizable in the first two or three notes. Yes. Kind of like this one. Oh, Tracy Chapman and yeah. Luke Combs. Fast car. That was that that was amazing, wasn't it? That was good for the soul that, this, yeah. this week to watch um to watch them, you know, I can remember when that song came out. Um uh, and then Luke Combs yeah. covered it, brought it back and and to see those two on the stage at the Grammys. And she
2: doesn't show like she's only been in public like three yeah. times. But wasn't that
1: an awesome a few minutes you you just know what to watch made me feel
2: good, Ernie? Why? Like a, a white guy like Luke Combs loving that song. Yeah. That, like music, sports, color should never matter when it comes to music or sports or life in general, number one. But for Luke Combs, a guy who's a country music star, to like a song and give her love it really so Ernie, that was that was really special you picking that moment. But I was sitting there saying, Man, why can't the world be more like this?
1: Yeah, exactly. And yeah. and to see if you watch Luke Combs smiling at her while she was singing. Yeah. And it, it was not that he was just enjoying her singing it, but there was such respect. Yes. And and kind of a like like a realization on his part too, like, you know yeah. what? I'm part of a real special moment yeah. here. And for and, that song to get to number one on the country charts. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm like, man,
2: that is so cool. And I'm, I mean, I'm so glad you brought that up no. because I was hoping that what you said at the Grammys because that was another moment with... Uh, Joni Mitchell. Joni Mitchell. Oh, uh, man. That was good, but I really loved the Luke Combs, Tracy Chapman because I said, man, I wish more people respected each other because, you know... Uh, it, it just, it, I, I, man, that was a good one, Ernie. Yeah, a song that meant yeah. that meant something. I watched that
1: like ten times. Yeah, it meant something yeah. to Tracy when she wrote it and yeah. performed it. It meant something to to Luke Combs for him to for him to cover it, and then yeah. just to watch them together. Yeah. It was really cool. And the Joni Mitchell thing, considering yeah. all she has been through yes. in her life and having to relearn how to speak, how to sing. Yeah, and then uh, was it Brandi Carlile who introduced mm-hmm. her and then played, uh, and again. It wasn't just the music it was the look and the shots in the in the crowd yeah, yeah, of people yeah. who It was great to see Celine Dion. Yeah. Oh, I mean it was that yeah. was wonderful. Yeah, it was I, it was really it yeah. was really a cool It night. was great to
2: see uh, those two things we talked about. It was great to see Celine Dion, man, cuz I met her one time at a Tiger Woods event. I got to introduce her. And I know she's had some health struggles, but I'm so glad She's she's tr- she's coming out now because yeah. we, we love her.
1: A lot of stuff on that night good at one. the Grammys yeah, that was good, good for the soul. Yeah, this has been a fun, it fun has podcast, man. Two yeah. guests, Super Bowl coming up, uh, Grammys just passed yeah. with with a special moment. I got
2: two guys that I got to play golf with now. I play Robert plays in Tahoe. We got
1: to get uh, Nate there. Yeah. Because he would love... I thought he'd been there before. I thought oh, well, Nate Bargetze had played there before. I don't know. I don't, I, well, I didn't see him. We should get him down here for the Black Masters. Oh, he, he can't handle the pressure. Would that be would He that can't be handle fun? the pressure.
2: Robert can't handle the
1: pressure. He, he lives either. in Nashville. If he's not doing if he's not doing a thing, we said, hey, come on down. Yeah, we can get Robert down here, too. That yeah. would be
2: awesome. It would be. be he fun. got nothing to do once football's over.
1: Enjoy <laughs> it there, big fella. Thank you, brother. As always. All I, right, I, man. I'll, I'll see you tonight. I'll see you on TV.
2: <laughs> yeah.